Communicore Weekly is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. Be sure to keep your hands inside the boat because Ginger snaps. It's time for Disney History! The Jungle Cruise is one of those classic Disney attractions beloved by people everywhere. Its combination of exotic travel and zany humor makes it memorable for those who dare to embark. Unlike most of the other attractions that opened with Disneyland back in 1955, The Jungle Cruise was one of the few not based on an animated Disney film. In fact, on a suggestion from Harper Goff, the ride took its inspiration from Disney's True Life Adventure films, along with the 1951 film The African Queen, which starred Humphrey Bogart and Katherine Hepburn. Because of the success of his True Life Adventure films, Walt originally wanted to use real animals on the ride. He thought a cruise through wild and exotic lands featuring animals in their natural habitat would be the ideal way to present them. People could see these animals in a zoo, but having them featured on his boat ride would allow guests to get up close and personal with them. After many consultations with animal care specialists, it was decided that the animals never would provide the consistent show that Walt wanted. It was feared that the animals wouldn't stay in their designated areas, that they'd sleep most of the day, and they'd be riled up by the steady boatload of guests trying to catch a glimpse of them. Of course, we all know by now that Walt Disney World overcame all these obstacles when they opened Disney Animal Kingdom in 1998. But that's a story for another time. By the way, it's a full day park. Anyway, back in 1955, these were legitimate concerns, so it was decided to go with the most exotic animals of all, the audio-animatronic kind. Using audio-animatronics gave the Imagineers greater freedom to develop their gags. No longer constricted by the use of stubborn, live animals, they were now free to expand upon their ideas and pretty much go wild. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Yeah, I saw. Anyway. Oh. Imagineer Mark Davis perfected the art of the sight gag with this ride. His work for Disney Animation helped him hone an impeccable sense of timing. This allowed his sight gags to be recognized and understood instantly, an extremely important feature since guests moved through these scenes pretty quickly. His concept sketches for the Jungle Cruise were often translated exactly as they appeared on the paper. Imagineer Bill Evans carefully selected plants that would look tropical but which would also be able to survive in the California climate. The lessons learned from Evans' art of landscaping were later put to use in Disney parks around the world. The queue of the Jungle Cruise is heavily themed with period artifacts, tools, gears, photos, and much more. Disneyland's version is meant to resemble an outpost where guests can book passage to explore the jungle rivers. Walt Disney World's version looks like an abandoned British outpost taken over by a touring company. Both are divided into a few main sections which can be opened or closed to accommodate the crowds. Albert Awall provides radio entertainment for both attractions, though his spiel differs in each park. When the ride first opened at Disneyland, it was a much different experience than it is today. First, the carefully selected foliage that Bill Evans placed in the attraction hadn't really grown in yet. This gave the ride a bit of a sparse and empty feeling. It would take a few years for it to become tropical. 
The skippers were more of a tour guide, pointing out facts about the tropical settings than they were the humorous folks we all love, or loathe, today. Also, several of its classic scenes were not quite ready. The elephant bathing pool was added in 1962, the safari camp in 1964, and in 1976, Disney added seven entirely new scenes. Needless to say, it took some time for the ride to really hit its groove. The ride continues to be a popular attraction, a classic in the annals of theme park history. So if you'd like to see the rivers of the world, but can't afford to do it for real, the world-famous Jungle Cruise is the next best thing. Do you have a, a favorite Jungle Cruise joke, George? Yeah, let me point out a couple of them to you. I, I like this joke, and uh, I like this joke, and this joke over here. That one gets me every time, actually. I don't know why, but something about that joke just cracks me up. I, uh, you know how they used to shoot the hippos and stuff, but now they don't shoot them anymore? I just like when the guy takes the gun, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scare the way of the hippos. But, like, some of them, they actually lean over the boat and they just go, shoo! And shoo! they wave the gun. And they wave yes. the gun. I, that kills me, too. I love I it. I love that one. It's brilliant. He's a nerd. He's a geek. But we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. You know, Jeff, this is a good and bad time to be a Disney researcher. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, sadly, a lot of the Disney legends that worked in animation and directly with Walt on Disneyland have passed away. But with this easy access to publishing your book on your own nowadays, we are seeing a lot of Disney legends compiling and publishing their life stories together. Yeah, one of the most recent and one of the most highly anticipated books is by Bob Gurr. He has just released Design Just for Fun. And the book is 216 pages and is full of short anecdotal chapters that follow Bob throughout his entire career. There are some amazing photographs, drawings, paintings, and preliminary artwork. You know, th there's that saying that if it has wheels at Disneyland that Bob probably designed it, and you know, that's true. I was always blown away by the stories of how Disneyland operated in those early days, and they didn't need to sit around waiting for management to get approval to do anything, they just did it themselves. And Bob's stories really reinforced that. It was really amazing to read how some of those, uh, the most popular rides that we have today started off by Bob going, eh, you know, I think this will work, let's, let's just do it. And, you know, they're here 40 years later, that kind of blows my mind. And I was really surprised that he had a lot of non-Disney projects that I had no idea he worked on, like the Michael Jackson's 1984 Victory Tour and, and Godzilla. Not not the cool original <laughs> movies, but like the original, I mean the remake from 1998, which I like but most people hate, but it was cool that he uh, that he worked on that. Yeah, it's it surprised me to see everything else he'd worked with, especially Las Vegas with Steve Wynn and how he talked about how most of the, some of the more modern filmmakers have a lot of... Uh, Walt's control of his company, and it's not designing by committee, which he complained a few times about it in this book. <clears throat> anyway, you know, <laughs> as you know, because we both have copies of it, the, the book is really easy to pick up because it's not that heavy. It's really easy to pick up and read. <laughs> All of the chapters are fairly short. You know, they're, they're two to three pages, almost like he'd written them from columns. And they each focus on a specific vehicle or attraction that Bob had designed, like a whole section on the monorail. Uh, uh, yeah, the, and the Matterhorn, which he did all the math by hand. Which is kind of nuts. Uh, yeah, exactly. But then he does go into uh, almost every aspect of his career, which is fantastic. And you certainly don't have to read it cover to cover. 
you can pick up and look at your favorite section. Uh, but Bob has an easy style that is fun to read. And if you're a fan of Disneyland, Walt Disney World, or any of the other projects he wor he's worked on, you're really going to enjoy it. Sometimes it's a one. Sometimes it's a two. When you got to go, what you're going to do? It's a bathroom break. A bathroom break. World Showcase is known for its amazing attention to detail. One of my favorite World Showcase bathrooms is located in the Japan Pavilion. Next to the Katsura Grill, the bathrooms are a nod to Japanese culture. Notice the special signs created for the men's and the women's restrooms. And when you enter the restroom, you'll notice that it feels, well, designed as if the space were at a premium, like you would find in most Japanese urban centers. These restrooms are slightly out of the way, but they are located in a very beautiful and peaceful area. Jeff, I love the Japan Pavilion. 